Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. If you've been an active listener to the podcast, or if you've been following me along on LinkedIn, you know that I believe that the best companies, like Fundraise, are born from leaders whose products address issues that the founders themselves have faced. Innovation is often driven by a frustration with inaccessibility, a desire to dismantle the status quo, and a passion to shake up the system. Nonprofit fundraising is no different. Innovating the marketplace to drive user experience and increase donor engagement is key to increasing nonprofit revenue. That's where Steve Latham comes in. As CEO and founder, Steve founded Donate Stock after he personally experienced the pain in the ass process of making nonprofit stock donations and realized that streamlining the process would increase stock donations and overall revenue for nonprofits. Steve saw untapped fundraising potential and made it his mission to bridge the gap. With a background in technology, finance, and social good, Steve started Donate Stock to create ease in the nonprofit donor experience and facilitate the transfer of stock donations to create a world where everyday investors of diverse economic backgrounds and income levels can become nonprofit donors. That's something we can all get behind. In this episode, you'll hear us discuss how everyone wins with stock donations and how we're teaming up with Donate Stock so that you can win too. Let's dive in. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. So we're creating this inclusive environment, building between diverse communities to ensure that our young people can thrive. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story then you're doing it wrong okay that is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board the best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world if you're going to be sustainable you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached one of the principal values that we carry as an organization is to lift grace over guilt. And we believe that grace is the greatest agent for change that anyone can ever experience. We all need each other in terms of other nonprofits working together to solve things. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Steve, thank you so much for joining Nonstop Nonprofit Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to uh, have you on the show and and to talk about stock donations uh, and to talk about our partnership uh, as as well. But before before we jump into that, I'd love to just if you could share with our listeners just a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into stock gifting. Sure. So. I'm pretty new to the nonprofit industry a couple of years now. Um, I started my career actually in finance. I was an analyst and then after a business school, went, did some private equity for a while. You know, I got that startup bug about 20 plus years ago and uh, joined an early stage software company. And I've kind of been in that world ever since then, uh, mostly in the marketing, advertising technology side of it. And so I've always loved finance, loved technology. And uh, my just side note, my mom was a was a fundraiser, a executive director for American Cancer Society where I grew up. So I grew up doing a lot of a lot of fundraisers, you know, setting up signs at golf courses and tearing them down and doing all that. So I, I kind of watched her for years, really 
wearing lots of hats, a small nonprofit, small office of a big organization. And so I think it's that's kind of always been, you know, fundraising and and, and giving back has always been kind of part of my ethos uh, since really since I was younger. Donate Stock really happened, started, if you go back over a decade ago, a friend of mine who's a financial advisor was telling me about the benefits of donating appreciated stocks at a cash. In fact, their entire practice was about going out to these wealthy individuals and presenting to them more tax advantage ways to give as a way that uh, to show them how they could actually give more and save more at the same time. And he told me about it, and I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, in short, you can avoid the capital gains tax on the stock that you donate, and then you also get to itemize the full deduction, the, value, the market value. So if you've been sitting on a stock for 10 years, it's at 5 or 10x, you can really save a ton of taxes um, while giving the, the nonprofits a larger pre-tax gift. I thought, wow, that sounds too good to be true. I talked to my accountant, talked to my broker, like, yeah, you can do that. And then I learned why very few people do it because it was just such a pain. Uh, my own experience. Very hard. Of, yeah. My own experience as a donor, it was, I had to research, make calls. Um, I had to literally send a fax. I had to fill out forms. It, it was several hours of work, but also just under, trying to research, understand the process and, and all just to make, you know, a more pre-tax, a more advantage gift. And it was just more hassle than it was worth. And so for I didn't do it again. That was over a decade ago. And then about two years ago, I was thinking about that. And I assumed somebody had made it easy by now, that someone had digitalized it, made it slick, easy process. And when I realized that no one had, that was really the inspiration. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do next. Because I was really wanting to get out of the, the marketing and advertising technology industry, do something that was actually more fulfilling for my soul, something where I could kind of give back while also doing something exciting. Uh, in the as a commercial venture, so this is really kind of that was how we started on this path. Like, let's just solve this for donors and and see where that takes us. That's kind of kind of how we got started. Yeah, I found you know being an entrepreneur myself, like, and the sort of like best companies are really born from problems that you know plagued us at one point uh, yeah. in, in time, and you know typically like you just see much better traction with product that way. Uh, and so I want to kind of double click on sort of like the pain that uh, you experienced when, when yeah. giving stock, just because I think I think this pain is still very much the reality for so many nonprofits. I think this is why so many organizations just aren't accepting stock donations because yeah. of the perceived effort it takes both on the organization side and also the donor side. So yeah. maybe like help us help us understand just like, you know, of course, not through uh, your company, but like how most nonprofits today are going about um, accepting stock donations and, and just sure. like the challenge it is. Yeah. Well, it's been a, we call it a biased and broken process. Uh, so one for donors, it's generally been the top 1% who get good financial advice, uh, who then have advisors to go do this legwork for them. Uh, but it's, it's a pain as a donor, you have to get information from the nonprofit. You got to fill out forms for your broker. You have to deliver that to them somehow. And that's, if you know what to do, if you know what to do, you got to figure this all out from scratch. So it's, it's painstaking. But what we didn't realize till we got into this and started working with nonprofits was the pain points for them and why very few nonprofits actually have been aggressive in marketing or soliciting or promoting stock gifting. Historically, there was, I'd say there's two major problems the nonprofits face. One is access. Because of these, what are called uh, know your customer and anti-money laundering uh, compliance requirements, the brokerages have a really difficult time opening accounts for small nonprofits, which unfortunately... You know, there's now over a million and a half. I heard 1.9 million earlier today in terms of new nonprofits or total nonprofits. And they unfortunately have a high risk of propensity for either malfeasance or fraud or just unfortunately just bad management, financial management. So brokerages have a cost to actually, they have to go get compliance, you know, uh, a waiver to actually create a brokerage account for a nonprofit. 
The other problem is nonprofits generally don't build assets. They don't build balances. They, they use the brokerage account to receive the stock, sell the stock, and then move the, the cash out to their operating account or their endowment fund. So the brokers have had a hard time because they're like, there's not really any money in it for us, but there is a cost. So when we when we started not donating stock um, and put a, a kind of a, a beta out in early um, or very end of 2020, and a few nonprofits like this is great, but we don't have a brokerage account and we can't get a brokerage account. We knew that was a big problem. And then, but those that do have a brokerage account have a different set of, of challenges in that uh, there, there's two big problems with stock. One is it's a painful process and then and the donors come to you. To, so you have to kind of walk them through that process, educate them. And most nonprofits really aren't that comfortable at, you know, telling anybody how to do a stock gift is just kind of something they're just not very uh, well versed in. Secondly, the, the, the way that stock transfers through this archaic financial system that we have, what's called the, the DTC or depository trust companies, that is like the transfer mechanism. It takes days for this to happen. There's no transparency. And then when stock actually does hit the nonprofit's brokerage account, they have no idea whose stock it is. So if you donated stock to a nonprofit and did not tell them, I'm donating 50 shares of Apple, they're not, and they just see the stock come in their account, your identity does not travel with it. And that's the big I think the big disappointment for a lot of donors is I just made this really nice gift to you and I'm waiting for you to thank me. Send me a note. Send me, maybe give me a call for that really big gift I just gave you. And instead, this is crickets because the nonprofits don't know whose stock it is. So they routinely get stock transfers in. They have no idea whose it is until the donor reaches out months later asking for a tax receipt. And that's when they actually have to go and research it and say, oh, I'm sorry. What did you give us and when? And we'll go research it and try to uh, find it. Oh yeah, we do have your stock. We'll send you an authorization or acknowledgement. But by then, it's just been a bad experience for the donor. So they're not very inclined to go do that again. Then the other issue is if everybody's donating it's, stock, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that anyone would even donate stock, <laughs> given those uh, yeah. hoops you have to jump through. And the worst. And the next piece, if you're an organization that receives a lot of stock gifts, what we see is a lot of people donate the same stocks. We see a lot of Apple, a lot of Microsoft stocks that have people have owned for you know, decades, have been around a long time, really large market caps, widely held. So if a bunch of people are all donating Apple stock in, uh, to a nonprofit, they see Apple coming in, 10 shares here, five shares there, 10 shares there. They don't know whose stock is whose. And they literally have, in, have no way of knowing whose stock it is. Wow. So they have to kind of go back to the donor and say, Did you, can you confirm that you know, we got a bunch of Apple stock, we're not sure which is yours, can you tell us if the share has actually left your account? So it's just a really manually intensive, archaic, painstaking process for the donors and the nonprofits. Most nonprofits, historically, I'd say majority of them, when the yes, when they receive stock gifts, like, yeah, a couple, because we have a board member that likes to give us a big gift every year, and we have to receive stock. So we know that one stock gift is from him or her, and then that's that's the extent of it. So that's that's really why stock yeah. is, despite being, frankly, the biggest pool to fish in if you're a nonprofit, I mean, people, households generally have 10x more in their investment account than they do in their in their checking accounts, uh, at least mm-hmm. that, maybe more, especially in larger, higher net worth um, households. It's a bigger pool. It's more tax advantage for the donor, but it's just been really hard to get at, or it's just been kind of locked up for for decades. So that's really, yeah. that was really, the, those are the problems that we set out to solve. Okay. So whenever there is a problem and specifically with stocks, like how big of a problem this is, you know, for, again, for both sort of like parties, the organization yeah. and the end user, like the donor who's trying to give, like there, there has to be a big, and you just, you just, you know, kind of shared some initial data there, but like 
if the problem is is painful, usually that means like if you can solve it, there's a big opportunity, yeah. you know, to to build a business and a big opportunity for organizations to tap into a whole nother, you know, resource pool where they're just currently not fishing. And so how did Donate Stock solve this problem and make it easier for nonprofits to accept sure. stocks? Well, well, I'll start with like answer what you, it is a huge prize. If you think there's about 60 million investors out there, roughly over half of US households actually own stock. If you think of 60 million investors, if every investor donated $1,600 a year in stock to, nonprofits, to all their nonprofits, right? Across all their nonprofits, they support That'd be a hundred billion dollars in fun, in funding for nonprofits. Wow. Individual giving last year was you know close to three hundred billion. You take away the you know you take away uh, Elon and Bezos and McKinsey Scott that never gets smaller really fast, right? So stock has the potential to be just a uh, really a, a huge windfall for the for the giving industry if they could unlock it. So the way we do it is um, a few things. One is we just make it easy for the donor, make it an easy donor experience where in just a matter of a few minutes. A donor can click on a, uh, a donate stock button on the nonprofit site, enter their information, provide their brokerage details. We don't ask for a username or a login. We're not asking for their credentials, but just the information needed uh, and then the securities they want to donate to that charity. And that's it. We'll take that data, send it to their broker and facilitate the transfer of the stock to that nonprofit. That's if the nonprofit has a brokerage account. But then we also net, let the nonprofit know, we send them an email, you're going to get this gift. You know, Justin is sending you 50 shares of Apple uh, worth you know, $7,500, and, and it's in their dashboard too, so they can see that. So they now know Justin Wheeler just made a stock gift to me. It's en route because it takes days to go through the financial system. It's not instantaneous like we're kind of accustomed to. So when they have transparency and visibility in the process, and then it makes it much easier for them to reconcile the gifts. Now, if they don't have a brokerage account or, frankly, don't have the the, the team to process all of these uh, we created our own 501c3, Donate Stock Charitable, so we can actually convert that stock to cash for the nonprofit and just send them the proceeds through ACH. And that's an overwhelmingly what they, what they prefer because they don't like it, it's a pain. It's still a manual process to to go. You got to check your brokerage account. You got to initiate a sell order. You got to wait a few days for the stock to clear. You got to then transfer the funds. Then you got to acknowledge the gift. We do all that for them. So it's it's a like we can turnkey this entire process for you. And that's for those that are either resource constrained or just so busy pursuing the mission, they don't have the time effort or hassle or to go hassle with this, then we can make that really easy for them. So it's, it's access to all the nonprofits. So every nonprofit can receive stock and it's ease and efficiency, removing the friction, both for the donor as well as for the nonprofit and high level. That's, that's what we do. Amazing. So you've, you've really solved two problems. One is you made it accessible for all nonprofits to accept stock donations. Uh, so you've removed sort of like the you know potential security risk, the KYC process that a lot of nonprofits just can't go through or yeah. maybe wouldn't pass because uh, of the, the requirements. And, and so you're making it possible for making it more accessible. And then you're also making it extremely uh, a lot easier for the donor to actually initiate a transfer of stock to gift to a nonprofit, which, you know, for, which I want to actually double click on in a little bit, talking a little bit more about the benefits of, of stock donations. Sure. Um, what I want to come back to is this market size. So you mentioned, you know, like $100 billion potential, potential. through yeah. stock do- donations. And so I would assume we're still very much in the infancy of, of stock <laughs> yeah. gifting. So yeah. uh, how, how is, what, do, what are you guys doing to really try to move the needle? What's going to be the catalyst, do you think, that yeah. will just make this a more mainstream giving method for, for donors? Sure. So a few things. Um, so one is awareness. So very few investors are aware of the benefits of charitable stock gifting. It's amazing. When I was starting this, 
the first probably 25 people I asked of means only one could tell me about the the benefit of avoiding capital gains tax. Everyone's like, well, I know there's some benefits. I'm not sure what they are. And when you explain it to them, the response is like, why do I not know this? It, it's kind of like one mm. of the best kept secrets in personal finance. It has been for decades. That's why we call it kind of a 1% solution historically. Um, so one is awareness building. Um, we are actually going to be, we view the financial advisor channel as really the best way to educate their donors because ultimately as a fiduciary, you should be telling your clients, hey, there's more tax advantage ways to give. So when you're doing your charitable giving, donate stock, you avoid capital gains tax, you get the full write-off. And so they've been kind of loath to do that because invariably what happens, a client says, oh, that's a great idea. I want you to go donate stock to these five charities for me. And, and then it's a lot of work for the, for the advisors. So like no good deed uh. goes unpunished. So we're actually going to be rolling out a new product for advisors in October, late October, that makes it easy for them to initiate stock gifts on behalf of their clients. And, and then not only do it for them, save them a ton of time because what an advisor would have to do is go chase down the charity, get their information, you know, get someone to call them back, get that information, sum, submit the order, and then they'd have to go back and tell them what they gave and when. It's it, For them, it's just a lot of work. So we're trying to make it really easy for the advisor to, in a couple minutes, initiate a gift on behalf of the client and then have a dashboard of all gifts they've initiated for all of their clients. And then when the, when the stock gets received and the donor gets acknowledgement letter, the donor has to click into their dashboard to get their acknowledgement letter. So now the donor has the ability to go do that themselves. So their client, they're like, hey, I'm going to, you know, think efficient. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put, get your rod and reel. I'm going to put the bait on it. I'm going to throw it out there. You're going to then, you know, I'm going to hand this rod and reel to you. So in the future, you can do this yourself. So try to help them become more self-sufficient. That way, advisors can be better fiduciaries, be more outspoken advising their clients without it burdening them with a ton of work to do that they don't get paid for. So that's how we're going to solve the, uh, or tackle the awareness problems. And then it's just a matter of enabling um, and making it accessible and, and available to all nonprofits. So once people start seeing a stock gifting button in the menus of ways to give, they're going to, if they invest, they're going to like, what is this stock gifting all about? And then once they understand the benefits, they're going to generally people say, why do I not know this? And why would I give cash? <laughs> if I have appreciated stock, it's, it's financially irresponsible to give cash. So why don't I just start giving more stock? And that's easier. I've got stock I've owned for years. It's just sitting there in account growing. I can throw a little bit here and there and share my, share my winnings with uh, the causes that I love. So it's, it's, it's awareness, uh, or, to and then distribution and access both for the nonprofits and the donors and over time the network effect will happen when they start seeing stock everywhere and then once they do it and then they can go to their dashboard and repeat that transaction really easily and then it's like 60 seconds to do it the second time then it just becomes a new way of people to give we think that over time that's how we go from you know roughly one or two percent people donating stock of investors today to five ten fifteen percent over the next you know five years you know, so that's that's really where there's just uh, there's so much opportunity to to generate so much funding for nonprofits for good causes, and it's easy. It's just a matter of of getting the button out there and making the the clients uh, the donors aware. Aware, yeah. Don't go away. When our episode returns, Steve Latham reveals more about how awareness influenced stock gifting. He also shares the dynamic impact of stock gifting versus a valued average donation. Stay tuned. And now, enjoy this segment sponsored by Fundraise, the world's most innovative and friendly nonprofit fundraising platform. Nonstop Nonprofit recently took our podcast on the road to Next After's 2022 NEO Summit in Kansas City. At the conference, I had a chance to catch up with Windfall CEO Arup Banerjee. 
Listen in as Arup gives us the scoop on data-driven wins that nonprofits can expect from the type of insights Windfall delivers. Sounds like you're providing a great product to nonprofits, which uh, we obviously both care about. And so maybe just before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, what your company does. Sure, absolutely. So my background specifically is in uh, computer science, finance. I actually uh, worked in venture capital, growth equity. After I went to business school, it was all about data, though. And so anytime I looked at the investment landscape or I looked at organizations that were trying to um, understand either their own data sets or being able to augment their own data sets with external data, most organizations were just simply not data-driven. And so my goal and my uh, mission post-MBA world was to uh, really try and solve that, whether that was through business intelligence, mapping out different data sets, but really the key aspect behind any organization is putting that data within workflows. So Windfall, what we do is uh, we are a data and people intelligence platform, and effectively what we do is we provide wealth screening, propensity modeling, and audiences for net new acquisition. So really capturing the fundraising environment for the nonprofit and empowering them to be much more data-driven within the constructs of their existing ecosystem or their tech stack. Nonprofits is the core of our business. Uh, we have been doing that uh, since our inception in uh, June of 2016. Um, we do have some other customers in similar um, industries as well, okay. like uh, financial services, who effectively are targeting uh, exactly uh, similar folks to those in our nonprofit communities as well. Uh, but nonprofits represent about 95% of our customers. Okay. So tell me, like, uh, I always like to know, like, the founders, like, why behind, especially starting a business that's you know selling to nonprofits. Like, sure. what's what's your why? Like, what what was the inspiration? And you kind of shared it with like your background, but like, what was your inspiration to like build something specifically for nonprofits? Yeah, so I think uh, there's there's a couple of different things. One, I, I was always pretty active in volunteering when I was growing up, and so there was a lot of different uh, challenges that uh, I saw when I was volunteering and effectively helping put on events, fundraise, reach out to folks. Um, that actually helped uh, me understand a little bit more about the workflow or process that folks actually go into. I got actually my MBA at Berkeley, so uh, we, social impact is one of our key tenants as um, an institution and really resonated with me when I decided to go to that school and it really left a huge element of um, you know, appreciation for, I think, this community. And what I saw was that a lot of folks, kind of similar to uh, old B2B software, where uh, most software that was new and shiny was built for consumers but not for businesses, well, that wasn't what I really saw in the nonprofit uh, organizations. Like, everybody was using 30-, 40-year-old technologies, yeah. um, and it was pretty crazy. But now, I think over the last six years, there's been a lot of new companies that have actually come out and said, no, this is uh, one of the largest sectors in, in the country, um, and there's a lot of professionals here, and it, it's pretty much overlooked for a lot of, a lot of folks. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, I started fundraising in 2014, and when we went to raise our seed rounds, uh, investors were saying, wait, like nonprofit industry, like is it, you know, is it a market? And then fast forward to today, how many like transactions have happened? How much like capital has gone into the nonprofit industry? It's, it's really qu quite amazing. And it's an exciting time, I think, to be operating a business in, in this vertical. For sure, 100%. Yeah, I think that's the um, spot on. I think uh, a lot of uh, the folks out there will probably say you can shed this part of your business because like there's other opportunities. But I, I do believe that just to kind of, um, you know, add on to that, I there's a lot more excitement about how we can help and how there is a lot more sophistication that's going into the overall ecosystem. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about like some of the like core kind of wins a nonprofit would get from like a product like Windfall. What's like the core kind of use case 
what are, or, or even like maybe like a case study that you can like share about uh, a specific customer where they you know, implemented your guys' technology and, and saw X as, as a result? Sure. Yeah. So I'll probably talk about the three different product offerings that like we had talked about. So the first is our wealth screening product. When we got started, uh, net worth was a was a bad word. Um, <laughs> so nobody wanted to use net worth. They didn't believe it. It was all about gift capacity. And we came out and said, nope, we're going to actually give you a precise uh, figure. We'll say John Smith's worth $2.3 million versus Jane Doe worth $49.9 million instead. We refresh our data every week, and okay. we also don't charge on credit, so we want you to use us as frequently as you'd like. And so that was very, very different for a lot of organizations who might have done wealth screen every three years or only to the top 10% of their population. So they're missing tons of hidden gems. So some of our use cases that we've re recently seen associated with wealth screening is that we're finding anywhere between 40 to 50% net new prospects that they had never looked at within wow. their database. And we even have some situations where uh, utilizing our data for somebody that was a donor who gave $100, $500, as soon as they started to cultivate, stewarded through it, that's a $50,000 donor. And so some of, uh, we do have some case studies on this with Make-A-Wish um, Arizona in particular, um, who actually use our secondary product, which is propensity uh, to give modeling. So we layer on artificial intelligence, machine learning, to not only say, hey, is this person wealthy, but will they give? And what is the use case for giving? Is it major gifts, planned giving, annual fundraising? And we really customize that model for your organization. In that scenario, not only are you looking at wealth, but you're also looking at prioritizing a major gift officer's portfolio. This reduces the amount of time by about 75% that these major gift officers have to go through data and just will ultimately start doing the real job, which yeah. is cultivating those relationships instead. Wow. Um, the final one is around net new audiences. So we also um, are the data layer associated with direct mail, social, digital, advertising. The efficacy associated with those fundraising, uh, we've seen a 10x return within nine months of uh, folks utilizing us when they historically have been using Facebook lookalikes, for example, instead of really targeting the donors or the net new donors that they should be going after instead. Amazing. Yeah, super interesting. On the net worth, I, I, uh, I used to be a fundraiser. So before I started fundraising, I spent 12 years in the nonprofit space. And uh, we started implementing some some like net worth sort of a technology or, or a wealth technology. And where we started first was with the recurring donors. We had like a pretty large recurring donor program, about a thousand donors. And we found this donor who was giving them 10 bucks a month and had like just a outrageous net worth and lived in the middle of, of the country and never met him, never you know, had any conversations. So we started to like, build a relationship and that individual came, went on to give you know, six figures yearly after that, after, you know, that conversation and right. stewardship. All that to say, you know, like, like I really believe in, in just like how wealth data can really help, or, especially organization with lots of, of constituents, lots of records, it's hard to prioritize, like, who do you talk to, right? So the, totally. the wealth indicators is, is a strong one. Totally. On the, on the custom audience, so, this, so um, is it basically you're taking, like, the organization's, like, data, existing data, and finding donors that look like the database. Is that like a, a, an oversimplified version, but is that Yeah, so, so that same propensity model of uh -huh. who's going to respond and who's yeah. going to, uh, whatever your target is, right? You want to get donors that can give up to $10,000 a year. I'm making it up here, right? Yeah. Well, you only have 50,000 records in your database, and yeah, we can certainly mine your existing 50,000, but what about the next 50? What about the next 100,000 people that you want to add on? 
Well, what we have is our household database is over 90 million households across the United States. So we're tapping that same model. Instead of applying it to your 50,000 records, we apply it to our 90 million records. And now we're going to select the right 2 million, 3 million people for you to actually serve your marketing to instead. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so the cool part about that is that it's omni-channel. So it can be uh, the same 3 million folks can go on to Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, direct mail, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, you can apply that data set for various campaigns. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. What's a trend as we kind of round out 22 and going into 23? What's a trend or something you're really excited about in this industry, whether it's something you guys are working on building or something that you're just seeing more in, in the nonprofit vertical? So I, I've noticed this trend over the last like three or four years of nonprofits are getting more data driven. So like uh, the thesis from six years ago, I think the industry has started to shift quite a bit. And a uh, thing that everybody's probably has on their mind, especially in the nonprofit ecosystem today is the economic uncertainty. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is that nonprofits will see a decline in giving in uh, recessionary years. But the difference here is that Americans have more cash than ever on hand. Now, the savings rate did go down in the last two months in terms of people tapping into those savings. But unlike any other economic environment that we've ever seen before, consumers have a lot of cash uh, lying around, which is really great for nonprofits from a support perspective. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that folks are going to start working a lot more intelligently than pray and spray. And it's it's something that even with in-person events, where here we are in an in-person event starting to come back, really still keeping those processes, measurements, iterations are going to be much more important moving forward. And I think this trend has really accelerated in the last two years. My hope is that it continues over the next like five to 10. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Last few questions, the rapid fire questions. Uh, there's, no, there's no wrong or right answer. Some may be more right than others, but that's okay. <laughs> um, all right. So digital reading or actual book? Digital reading. Digital reading. Do you have a favorite book at the moment? I just read, well, it's a completely different book. It's called Amp It Up by Frank Slootman, who's okay. the uh, CEO of Snowflake. Yeah. So another data-oriented company and just really interesting to read his stories. Awesome. Cool. Pizza or salad? Uh, pizza. If you had to live somewhere for the rest of your life, beach or mountains? Beach. Beach. Me too. Uh, football or football? Football. Yeah. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. I, I, I'm not a big cat fan. Funnel cake or cheesecake? Cheesecake. And the last one, the Goonies or the Sandlot? Sandlot for sure. Sandlot for sure. All yeah. right. right. <laughs> we have a lot of the same uh, same responses. Appreciate it. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Before our fundraise sponsored break, Steve was about to give us the inside scoop on the importance of donor awareness on stock gifting. Nonprofit friends, having donate stock in your corner unlocks potential for amazing gifts. Listen in to hear how accepting stock donations can dramatically change gift size and impact for your organization. Yeah, awareness is crucial. I think that, you know, like there's there's very few like uh, fundra fundraising programs where if you just put it out there, it like will have initial kind of like traction. But like if, if you have a website and you have web traffic, putting an option for people to give stock is going, you're going to see something happen. We've seen anecdotally so many situations where all they did is announce it and all of a sudden here goes a 50k 100k donation coming in because people aren't going to come to you and ask hey do you don't do you take stock gift but right. if you inform them this is a way to do it it's a it's a it's you know they're like yeah i have a lot of stock if you if i can give yeah. to you through that that's a no-brainer totally totally yeah well I, I have a great a great story on that just real recently uh just two weeks ago a uh there's one of our nonprofit clients was having their big annual gala. It was, it was two weeks ago today. 
and they um, they put it out in their response card like you can use stock to bid on the auction items and and their uh, their grand prize for the auction the live auction was um, I don't know if you're a Yellowstone fan but it was basically like a weekend in Montana with Cole Hauser uh, who plays Rip <laughs> on uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. So one of their benefactors informed the, uh, the 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 people that run this nonprofit. She said, uh, "I'm just letting you know I'm going to outbid anybody for this this prize. I'm going to win this auction as long as I can use stock." You know how much that went for? How much was it? Two hundred twenty thousand dollars for <laughs> yeah. for this event, right? And it was and, and yeah. honestly, stock enabled. She couldn't have done that she the only way she did that was with with stock she's had forever so it's such a great story and that's what's really fun about i'm sure you feel the same way that's what's so much fun about this industry is you can play an active role in helping great things happen and and that's that's just one example i can there's another organization in in uh, miami i was speaking at a a thing there earlier this summer uh she went back they signed up they put an email out to their to their board their and their donors and literally within a week they got a fifty thousand dollar $50,000 $50,000 uh, gift is a group called um, Putting Stock in Children, I think, or Taking Stock in Children, one of the two. It was real similar to Donate Stock, which is kind of funny. Uh, another one called Ch- uh, Chapman Partnership, they they announced it and had a, got a $100,000 gift within a week. It's just, there's yeah. so many great stories out there. It's just, you've got to just communicate. If you communicate it, totally. somebody's going to give you stock. Yep. I do. Um, I host an annual gala for an organization that I sit on the board of. And last year we were doing like a cash auction and I, like I, I run the cash auction component of it. And we always start with like the highest gift amount and, you know, go all the way down to like a hundred bucks, whatever it might be. And we were at the, we were at the largest sort of amount, uh, with the night, which was like a hundred grand. Uh, and we asked, you know, anyone tonight can donate a hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, to your point, like most people, uh, especially like savvy investors have much more in their investment accounts and their, their checking accounts. Like no one's like raising their hand. You know, there's people with capacity and I just like flippantly, you know, it was like, we accept stock donations if that changes the game and a couple hands go up and, and, you know, um, donated a hundred thousand plus in stock. Most of it was like Apple stock uh, was what it was, but it's just crazy how like there's very, like going back to my original point, like there's very few sort of like revenue programs that a nonprofit could adopt with almost like where awareness, just making it aware that you do this thing actually increases the, the revenue. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Another uh, question I wanted to come to was, you know, I think, and I think this like was you know, with the whole kind of like meme stock, uh, like phenomenon that's like happened over the last couple of years. Yeah. It has created a lot more, uh, like consumer investors, right? Just investors yeah. who are like more casually sort of uh, in- investing and, you know, applications yeah. and technology making it easier to even to invest. Do you see like that sort of energy and um, also helping fuel sort of this like new kind of air of, of giving through stock? Because you have, you know, younger people like investing and are already used to like, you know, yeah. so I'm just curious if, if you see this kind of sort of like consumer sort of uh, investors playing we any see, sort of role in, in helping this more mainstream? We see potential. Um, the, the the main thing I'll just put out there about, about stock, to get that benefit of uh, boarding capital gains tax, you have to have held the stock a year, right? So right. If, you bought, if you bought GameStop and then a month later wanted to donate that, you wouldn't get the same tax benefits, right? IRS says, no, you, you got to hold it a year. So it's, uh, it's really for longer term holdings. But what we are seeing is, you know, the, the studies show that the younger generations are just much more generous in their mindset. They claim to be charitable, like 60 something percent of, I think, millennials uh, identify themselves as charitable people. 
Whereas it's like one fourth of that if you go to the boomers. So it's, you know, it's a very different generational mindset about social uh, awareness and, and social responsibility. And there are more people because of the, the ease of getting into uh, investing because of all the, you know, what happened during the pandemic, all the stimulus money and people staying home and started, started investing. Um, you know, if you want to call it investing, uh, some might call it speculating, but whatever. They're getting in the game, right? <laughs> they're learning and they're getting the taste for it. So I think there's definitely a groundswell of younger investors that are very charitable and benevolent just in their way of being that as they acquire assets and start having some meaningful assets, they're going to be really a huge force for stock gifting, you know, over the next decade or two. Uh, but today I would say, you know, just some data, we've surveyed our, our donors and we're about, um, you know, about 500 transactions in now. So we have a pretty good database and, it skews over 55. Like it is, it, it's households okay. that have assets that, um, you know, some data points like our average gift today, if you look straight up average, it's about 22 grand. If you remove the outliers um, and, and normalize that, it's about uh, 5,000 as an, as an average, but it's about 2,000 as a median. And I think over time, we'll see that probably go down. But an average gift of, let's say, two to 5,000 compared to like average, I don't know what you, you guys, if you guys publish like average 100, gifts. 120, 100, yeah. like 120 is like not like the average online credit card donation. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I just, I just heard earlier today, one of the top, you know, five fundraisers in the country, their average gift is 35 bucks. Like yeah. that's a lot of people. But if you think about just, if you, you don't need a ton of big stock donors to do well, but now anybody can donate stock. They don't have to just be a wealthy household. They could be somebody with, Hey, I've got, I was, I could give you a hundred dollars in, you know, credit card or $500 in stock. I've got, you know, give right. you, uh, eight shares of, of Tesla. Yeah. That's what's super interesting is, you know, like these like, you know, thousand dollar, five thousand, eight thousand dollar gifts are coming through stock are likely individuals who couldn't just do that with cash. Right. right. And so I think that's, yeah. that's what's so, so key about making this so feasible and easy for, for, uh, donors to, to understand. With with the headwinds in the economy, and you know, we know that like the biggest sort of like the biggest incentive with stock donating is donating appreciated stock. Yeah, that's you know past the year mark. Do you see any sort of like uh, headwinds with like stock gifting as it relates to like the broader markets? I'm sure it's it's depressed activity. I mean, I, I know I'm sure it has it, it has to have right. So, but what's interesting is most of the stock people are donating. It's not something they've owned long, you know, short term. Like we see Apple come in and the cost the the, the holding period comes in with it with the data. These are five, 10 year holding periods, people. So 10 years ago, for reference, Apple on a split adjusted basis was about uh, 10, 12 bucks. Today it's down, right? It's at like, like under 150, but it's still up 12X in the last 10 years. So, <laughs> yeah. and they have a concentration issue. So they're like, hey, my Apple stock now is a really big share of my portfolio. I need to harvest some gains. I need to reduce some of my exposure. Gifting is a great way to do that. Um, I think obviously, you know, it'll be a better when it's a healthier stock market, it's going to be better for stock gifting. But we're still seeing donations come in every day. Um, people just, again, people have been sitting on, you know, we, we had a 12 year bull market, right? Where even if a lot of those big high flyers have really gotten crushed, uh, not a lot of Roku being donated right now, but we still see a lot of, you know, energy stocks and long-term Microsoft, they're, even they're down a little bit. If you look at them over, over the last five, 10 years, they're up, you know, just dramatically. So we still see stock gifting taking place. The other thing seasonally, like we're really kind of just holding our breath that hopefully November, December is better now than it is uh, because that's that's when most stock gifting takes place. 
more so than other types of gifting, people who are doing their year end, looking at like taking their tax loss harvesting um, on their on their stocks, like selling their their losers to offset gains. That's a time when a lot of them also figure out to do their like terrible stock gifting or DAF contributions. That all takes place. I've heard like from one of the big DAF managers said half their donations, uh, half the contributions come in the last month, last two weeks of the year, really. That's when a lot of people do that. So, or last, last three, four weeks. Yeah, it's, it's December, right? So it more so with securities than with cash. So I think the number is around uh, something like 30% of donations come in in November, December, all donations, but for stock, it's going to skew much higher just because of that year-end plan it takes place. From a, a strategic perspective, my assumption is it's much more advantageous to donate appreciated stock than to sell losing stock, right? Because like, there's like a, there's a max, isn't there? There's like a max, like think 3,000 a year that you can write off yeah. Uh, yeah. for, for ta- harvesting yeah. tax. And so, yeah. which there's no max on appreciated stock in, in what you donate, correct? Well, there's, a, uh, there's an AGI limit. So you can donate up to 30% of your adjusted gross income in non-cash okay. donations. You can do about 60% okay. cash. So if you made, if you're, and this, this really applies to people who are kind of at the, have large incomes um, and are at the stage of life where they're starting to really give away more, they're going to be looking at, you know, they're hitting their 30% AGI limits. Yeah, they might do that, but most people generally don't. So practically speaking, yeah. you can give away as much as you want um, unless you just don't have much income. You, there's, it's hard to get to 30% if you think about what you make and wow, would I really give away that yeah. much in a year? That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But depending on what your AGI is, um, you could give away a lot. I, I, I did a, <laughs> a, I remember Elon Musk uh, last, they, they reported earlier this year and it kind of got buried in all the Twitter controversy, but he donated $5.7 billion of Tesla stock to an unnamed nonprofit. I'm guessing it's probably a private foundation. He put it in to be doled out over time. But I did the math on that and and wrote an article as I published in Bloomberg just a couple of weeks ago. Like because it was stock he was gifted and granted, like it was basically zero cost stock. But if you add up the tax benefits, his tax benefits were four point six billion dollars in tax avoided or saved with that five point seven billion dollar wow. gift. And that just speaks to the power. And that was the five point seven was literally thirty percent of what he made selling Tesla stock. That he had to sell a bunch of Tesla stock, like twenty billion dollars worth or nineteen billion. So, like to the T, he donated exactly thirty percent of that uh, to to a charitable organization and saved almost five billion in taxes. So, what we look at it is like just that's a great example of what's possible, and you don't have to be a billionaire yeah. to to get the benefits of you know the same tax benefits, uh, just a, a more you know not the same scale, totally. but certainly uh, on a relative basis. Yeah, interesting, super interesting. So one one of the things you guys talk about, I think it's on your blog, is is one of the key insights you pull out is that like the more an organization diversifies, yeah, you you start to see sort of like growth by like in the magnitude of like five x. Yeah. So can you unpack that a little yeah. bit? Like what, how did you get to that sort of five x growth? Yeah, that's Russell James. Uh, his one of hit from his reports. He's one of the probably foremost okay. researchers on charitable giving and asset mix. What he found is if I think I forget the exact percentages. I'm sorry, caught me off guard on this, but it's it's I think it's something that if your non cash assets are growing uh, at a rate are, are are more than X percent of your total composition of what you re- receive every year, you actually have like a five X higher growth rate in your overall fundraising. Whereas if you're below that, then uh, you actually 
generally lag the market in terms of growth in your fundraising. So, and it, and it's kind of makes sense. Like if you're getting more larger non-cash gifts, you're going to grow that. And the more you get, the more you tell people, the more you're going to get, it becomes a virtuous cycle. So it kind of makes sense. It's, it, but it, the numbers are pretty surprising at literally five X higher growth rate. If you have a larger mix of non-cash assets. And so with, you know, with stock wow. it could be crypto, yeah. it could be, those are the most common ones. And, and you know, obviously script is a much newer uh, and it's, I think we'll find it's probably fairly cyclical. I mean, it, it, when crypto's up, you'll see a lot of it when it's down, probably not. But stock, people have held so long and, and had established right. cost base so long. There's such an established mechanism there. We feel like it's it's a lot less volatile as an instrument for for donating. That makes sense. Makes sense. Um, all right. To so kind of wrap up the conversation, really excited to talk a little bit about our new partnership yeah. uh, that we're, we're launching here pretty soon. And so for, for those of you listening, uh, Fundraise and Donate Stock have decided to partner and we're going to make stock gifting available through the Fundraise giving form. As for, for those of you who don't know, like we work with thousands of nonprofits. Uh, millions of donors have, have given you know, through the Fundraise platform. And we're just absolutely thrilled to be uh, partnering to, to bring sort of this service to to our customer base and to the donors that are giving to, to nonprofits. And so, yeah, we will be announcing the, f- the official partnership here and I think in the next couple of weeks. But Steve, really excited to, to, to be working shoulder to shoulder with, with you and the team on making this more accessible to another audience that hopefully will it's, take stock gifting seriously. It's going to be a game changer. Uh, once Because right now, if you go to most websites and you have to really work hard to figure out how to donate stock to them. Like you're, it's a lot of yeah. clicks, a lot of research. If it's right there on the menu as an option to give, it's going to uh, it's going to be a game changer. I think it's it, it's going to be transformational for a lot of nonprofits that never told their donors you can do that. When the donor sees that, like, wow, I can give stock, and it just takes a couple minutes right here without leaving the site. Like, that's I think it's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to see the results for this giving season. But um, we're we're and we're so excited about the partnership with you guys. We appreciate your your leadership and your you know we've been talking a lot of a lot of uh, platforms and. There's interest. There's everyone says, yeah, this is kind of a no-brainer. But you guys have really emerged as just like really focused and agile. I think is what's you know the word that comes to mind. So kudos to you guys for being uh, leaders in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're excited about it. And for those listening and are interested in in more information, definitely be linking in the show notes. Uh, but also we'll be producing more content uh, with the Donate Stock team uh, around further education on how uh, you can yeah. start accepting donations via stock. Steve, thank you so much for this great conversation. I found it to be super insightful and appreciate the time you invested in the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and look forward to more. Absolutely. Have a good All day. Right, you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.